If you're the kind of person who haphazardly creates content, you know, you wake up every single day, don't really have a strategy, you just get up and just create it, or maybe you even don't create it, you've got this deep well of knowledge and you've just got this fear, this insecurity, these doubts that, you know, it's scary to go on camera and put yourself out there. Uh, fortunately, there's a better way. And that's what my podcast today is going to uh, help you with. And it's with my guest today. Her name's Lauren Crest. Lauren has come up with a really interesting way, not only a, um, a solid content marketing strategy to help you uh, win more clients through your content, but, but also if you want to get all that content done much, much faster, so like months of content condensed down to a few hours. And uh, yeah, she's got a little secret strategy. I won't give it away to... Get over your own insecurity on camera. So, let me just get into my little bio of Lauren. Okay, here it is. Lauren Crest. She is uh, dubbed herself as the business scientist uh, and she is a conversationalist. She's got her own podcast. She's got her own business. She's got her own YouTube channel and her missions to create, um, to help smart people become recognized as thought leaders so they can make their mark in the world. Lauren, I think you're under understating how powerful your strategy is, um, and uh, that's what we're going to go in today. Because a lot of people I know do not want to go on video because they're too shy, and uh, that's a major, major pain point. So we're going to help you fix that today uh, with some really cool tips and strategies. Without further ado, let's get into the intro and then into the podcast. Have you ever heard a story that just made you feel, wow, I'm ready, I'm fired up? A story that captures everyone's attention and gets you to spread it to all your friends? Or how about a story that creates real impact and connection with the audience? Why do stories do this? And how can we create stories like this in business? I've been obsessed with figuring these questions out. I've been starting and failing multiple online businesses now for two years, struggling to find an audience I truly wanted to serve. It wasn't until I discovered my dream customers were struggling with these exact questions, except I didn't know where to find these people. I hopped on a plane to the US to attend a marketing conference that I met my dream customers, and I saw firsthand how powerful stories really are. After that, I went all in on my hunch. If you're looking for the real secrets behind how stories can get your audience fired up to take action and to change their lives through your words, this podcast is for you. My name is Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Okay, cool. Well, instead of, I actually kind of want to do something different. Instead of me just being like, hey, this is Jules Dan, I'm be like, just naturally segue into the conversation. So, Lauren, I was hoping you could uh, introduce yourself to my audience, what your business is all about, and a bit of your backstory. Because I know we were speaking, we spoke last time on the call. Um, and you're kind of like me and you just started, started doing this earlier this year. Well, yeah. So I have had a business, uh, for just, just turned four in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the whole, you know, the year of 2020 and the chaos <laughs> of 2020, yeah. uh, I kind of just started rethinking what I wanted to do and, you know, actually on my YouTube channel, I just uh, updated my welcome video recently. And I was like, so I've had a business for four years and I did actually grow it quite quickly and I was making six, six figures. And it was kind of like the dream quote unquote for people listening. Yeah. And I'm like, but I actually didn't really want to do any of that stuff, you know? So um, I think like, it's been a really interesting journey for me to kind of be like, 
oh, like initially I thought it's just about being able to run my own business. That's the goal. And then I was like, actually, no, this is really important for me to hone in on what it is I really want to do with my life and also how I can best serve others as well. So that's been my sort of journey this year, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of COVID being a bit of a catalyst for it. And uh, yeah, things have dramatically changed this year. So the, in terms of answering your question around what my business does now, essentially I'm really focused on helping smart people to share their best stories. So uh, I think this is a podcast to be on, right? So yeah, that, that's essentially what I'm, what I'm working on now and looking at innovative ways to really draw those, I think, you know, especially for smart people um, who know a lot, who are ambitious, who have done a lot of research, they actually tend to have a bit of the imposter syndrome because it's like, we know so much, we also know what we don't know. And so then it can be really hard for us to simplify things and tell our stories in a meaningful way that's really going to attract mm. uh, our ideal clients. Yeah. So people, are, you're, you're helping a lot of thought leaders, experts in their fields, uh, but they're kind of stuck with the curse of knowledge where it's like, how do I present this and come off as a human being and not lecture everyone in the process? <laughs> Is that what you do? Yeah, I like I like that, and not lecture everyone. I mean, I don't I don't know if people will be like, yeah, yeah, I lecture people, but we do, right? Like, I mean, I do this as well. Like, it's like you can go off on tangents, and you can kind of because I think if you're someone who's naturally curious and you find things fascinating. Mm-hmm your capacity for information is a lot higher than a lot of other people's. Right. So it's like, yeah, we might be the kind of people who go, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole for four hours on the internet because I found something on Wikipedia interesting. Yeah. But a lot of other people are kind of like, give me the, give me the download in seven seconds. Cause that's how much attention span I have. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And, and impress me so I can watch another seven seconds after that. Yeah, exactly. Like you got to hook people in so quick. I think, I think the average time, I mean, you might know better than me, Julian, the mm-hmm. average time someone spends watching like a, you know, a, a video on social media or something is like, you've got about five to eight seconds. I think that's, I think it's about that. Do you know? Uh, good question. I, I would, I wouldn't think that'd be incorrect. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not long anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of bad content out there. So, you know, that's why I got you onto this podcast because you're all about creating those great memorable, because we had a really interesting chat before. It's like, um, instead of just being that person who's ad hoc creating content every morning like me, which you probably shouldn't do, um, it's very thrilling, but there's a better way to do things and there's multiple ways to skin a cat. So, um, yeah, really curious to hear it sort of like, because I know, so what uh, Lauren does is that she does this interview and multiple different interviews to get pretty much all your content out in video format. And I found that really interesting. Um, so how did you come across this idea and what are the big benefits that you've seen so far from this? Yeah. So I think the, I mean, full disclaimer, like it's new. So I'm still kind of working through social proof stage, but I have interviewed about 200 people and this is kind of where the idea came from was that what I found when I interviewed people 
Um, you know, often I'm looking for people who are real experts, not just people who are uh, putting themselves out there in terms of their brand, right? Because like yep. we can we can really confuse those two things and think that, oh, because someone's a recognized expert, they must be smarter than an expert who hasn't branded themselves, right? So I've talked to a lot of people who are kind of like buried treasure, right? You know, it's like they're the, the people who... I'm like, you have so much knowledge and so much insight, mm. but you're not putting yourself out there. And one yep. of the big things that I found was that they would say things to me like, well, Lauren, you know, like I'm happy to have a conversation like this. So I'm happy to be on camera and chat when it's for a podcast or when it's for like a YouTube video and it's like interview style yep. um, or even live streams. You know, I had people who had, hadn't been willing to put themselves on camera themselves, but they were happy to do a live stream. So I thought that was really interesting. It's like, what's the difference between me having a conversation with someone and them putting themselves on camera? And they're like, well, it's easy when you're asking me the questions. Mm. You know, it's, it's much easier when I can have this conversational format. It's not scripted. I'm not worried about, am I going to say something stupid? Yep. And I think what it is, is because my background is in studying neuroscience and psychology. And I think what happens is that we're in this flow state when we're having like a conversation with someone who's, and you've probably found the same thing as well, Julian, like when people are on a podcast show, it's like, you can see they kind of just relax and they get into their flow and they say really great stuff. And then the other thing I kind of discovered was I was like, well, a lot of that great stuff can be pulled out and repurposed. So we don't just have to have like the half an hour interview format is the only piece of content. And I think more and more podcasters particularly are realizing this, this is stuff that you can create a massive bank of content for. So for me in eight months of doing my most recent podcast show, I've created enough content where I could kind of walk away from my content for a year and there would be enough to keep putting stuff out there. And like the dream. Content. Yeah. Right. Like I've got this bank account. People want a bank of money. I want a bank of content. Right. So it's like you've, you, when you're having these conversations, there's all this gold that you can pull out and there's things that you can be quite creative with. So you could be like, I'm going to pull that, that quote was great. I'm going to pull that out and put that into one of my Instagram posts. You know, there's a really great little video snippet there. I'm going to put that on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I'm going to re resize my video so I can put it on TikTok. You know, there's, there's all this stuff we can do with that content, but it's not going to necessarily come out unless we're like a trained presenter who's like, you know, been doing video for years, it's not necessarily going to come out if we just like stick ourselves in front of a camera and go, I've got to say something interesting now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's why I think this idea is so smart because um, obviously people have a lot of camera shyness or they dread being on camera. And I actually didn't know this until we're working with a video marketing agency. It's a really big fear for a lot of people. It takes a lot of guts to just turn on the camera and just start saying it, let alone quite the perfect words to say in front of someone. So I think it's a brilliant idea that you're bringing those, those uh, anxiety barriers down and just getting people to open up. And also curiously, I think we spoke this, spoke about this, the Dunning-Kruger effect, how ah, people yeah. who are much less experienced, but have a lot more confidence in themselves just get on camera and regurgitate what they say on Google or whatever. And they're the ones who are seeing more success than these hidden treasures. Like you're saying, who have this deep well of knowledge, but they just don't know how to market themselves or they don't have the confidence to go out and market themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's such an important thing. So the Dunning-Kruger effect, like you said, it's this cognitive bias that exists where people who know enough information know what they don't know. 
So they're less likely to put themselves out there. But people who know a little bit, you know, like you see it so many times, you'll see someone who's like read one book on like a massive subject area that you could spend your whole life learning more about. And that person who's read that one book is like, I'm now a self-development expert and I'm just going to start putting myself out there. Right. But in a way I'm kind of like, well, hats off to you because you're actually going to benefit more. So it's kind of interesting because we kind of have this envy in a sense of people who are confident, but don't know a lot, but I'm like, well, you kind of can't say anything if you're not putting yourself out there. You know, like, and that's what I see a lot of is people get envious and they get critical of other people who are branding themselves. Cause like, oh, well, they don't know as much as me, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. but what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like a double-edged sword. Like you can get bitter about the people who don't know as much as you do, but I don't know, like at the end of the day, they're putting their, they're like they're putting themselves out there and people, whatever you, like as, as, as wrong as this sounds, if you tell someone, especially out to the world and, and you, you say like, I am an expert in this and you present the facts, they're probably going to take your word for it if, it. if it sounds bright enough, but it's only that small percentage of people who would just be angry and bitter in the corner and be like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, what does that achieve? I don't know. So. Well, and I'm saying it cause like I've been there, you know, yeah, I've yeah. had those moments where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like envious and jealous that that person has done that. And they, they seem to be doing a much better job than me. And maybe I'm not as good as like, sometimes I think I am. And, and we have these, you know, if we're really honest about the, the conversations that sometimes go on in our head, like we can sound like a four-year-old. Well, I certainly do. Like I sound like a four-year-old sometimes chucking a little tantrum going like, why have I not done that? And blah. And I think what we need to come back to and recognize is like, and this is kind of dealing with the imposter syndrome sort of piece, right? Mm-hmm. Is it's like, instead of telling us ourselves this story where we're saying like, I'm not good enough and I'm not a thought leader and I'm not, you know, uh, smart enough to put myself on camera and I don't know enough. I think we need to turn that into like thinking about, well, what is my goal? So let's say the goal is, you know, I want to be a thought leader. We need to start saying to, to ourselves, I am a thought leader. So I'm going to start behaving like a thought leader because I am one. And when we start doing, it's sort of like the same with podcasting, right? I am a podcaster. So I'm going to actually go and get the right equipment. I'm going to take myself seriously and do it. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, you're a podcaster because you're behaving like one. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yep. Okay. But what what would you recommend though, if someone, you know, they, 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 they start saying that, but they're like, I don't, I feel like the words that are coming out of my mouth are fake or I don't feel authentic by saying these words, I don't feel real. Yeah. So I think it's, it's really, um, it is challenging. And like, I'm not going to pretend to be someone who's like a, you know, a psychologist or a psychotherapist Mm. or anything like that. But one thing that I picked up from uh, Brene Brown, and she talks about this in her book, Rising Strong, which is one of my favorites that she's written. Um, And she talks about sort of like, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Of course. Okay. So she talks about writing your like shitty first draft. That's actually what she calls it. Right. And so it's expecting something way worse, but okay. (laughs) I never know, you know, like you might be like, I haven't marked my podcast as explicit. Sorry to interrupt. Um, (laughs) Shitty draft. Back to the story. Back to the story. So shitty first draft. So um, she's like, what we can, we've got all this stuff that we're telling ourselves in our head. So 
I think instead of like the positive affirmation technique, this could be a lot better. So the positive affirmation technique is like where we just go, okay, I'm going to tell myself um, good things until I believe it, you know, where what this is about is sort of going, what, what's the story I actually am telling in my, myself in my head. So actually sitting down with a piece of paper and just sort of like stream of consciousness, like blurting it all out. So Mm. let's say someone's going like, but I don't feel like I'm good enough. And I don't feel like I can put myself on camera. Okay. Sit down with a piece of paper and write, write what's actually going on in your head, like a journal exercise. Right. Mm -hmm. And then leave that, go and make yourself a tea, whatever, go have a break, come back to it and then start to analyze it from the rational part of your brain. Right. Because essentially we've got, you know, two parts of our brain. We've got like our emotional brain, which is like our limbic system. We've got our cognitive sort of thinking, rational part of our brain that's in our prefrontal cortex. And they don't really like to think at the same, they like kind of don't operate together necessarily. Right. So our emotional brain is writing down all that crap, just our shitty first draft. Right. This is everything that's going on in my head. You just blurt it out. Don't think about it. Just write it all down. And then we come back at it from our rational perspective. We want to look at that piece of paper and what we've just written and go, okay, if my friend wrote this or if my son or my daughter or my sister or my brother, right? If, if someone I care about wrote this about themselves, what would I say to them? Like, how would I respond to this and sort of respond to it from your rational part of your brain? Because what you'll find is there's another part of you that's going, of course, I'm good enough. Of course, I'm, I can put myself on camera. Why would I, why would I not think that? Mm. And so we can kind of start, and it's not going to necessarily happen overnight, but it's really important we start to question those stories and those negative narratives that we're telling ourselves. Kind of funny that this goes into storytelling as well, but that's what we do. We, the reason storytelling works so well in marketing is because storytelling is like how our brain works things out about the world. It's how we work stuff out about ourselves and it's how we work stuff out about other people. So we need to question those assumptions uh, and kind of look at how we can, we can reframe things. Yeah. It's like, it's like stories of how our beliefs are programmed and it's always the best story wins. And that means whatever story wins in your mind, it could be, bad in terms of productivity it could be bad in terms of showing up and feeling authentic on camera but so you're saying this is a really good place to start if you're you're at that stage where you might like pre-contemplation you might be thinking of going on but you just don't feel like I, I, I'm, I'm legit enough or whatever fears and insecurities I might have about being on camera does that sound about right like- totally totally and I, I think the other thing that we can do and this this is very like Nike but you you just do it like you actually go, okay, well, I'm scared anyway, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And um, that's where, again, I think having these kind of interview formats and what I'm finding with doing interviews with people who are a, a little bit scared or fearful, not saying that, that everyone is and they're the only people that can benefit, but if you have got that kind of like, oh, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? It's like having some structure and having someone there with you and actually just doing it mm-hmm. gives you enough momentum to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. Okay. So let's sort of get into the nitty gritty. Let's just say I'm one of your clients. Uh I have this well of knowledge because I'll be honest, like I don't have a well of knowledge in copywriting marketing. I only started really two years ago. Let's say I imagine I've got 20 years of experience on me, but I'm I'm a shy little mouse. I I don't want to get on camera. So what would be the, I know you're giggling there. Uh, Well, no, because I was just thinking, you know, I also want to say to you, like, 
Yeah, but two years for when you work in a specific niche, you'd be surprised. You would know a lot more than a lot of other people know about copywriting. And you know that because you get results as well, right? So like, don't undersell yourself there. I just felt like I needed to say that to you. All right, all right. Thanks for that. I was just trying to make myself humble and stuff, but it clearly backfired. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be humble. Don't be humble. (laughs) Okay. I'm an expert, but but let's pretend I'm a master Okay. And um, I just, I just don't know what to, I don't have video presence. I know I should be getting on. Um, what, what's the plan? What, 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 uh, what interviews are we going to try and suck my content and stories out with? Yeah. So I think the first step and, you know, this, this kind of goes back to like storytelling to begin with is we just need to make sure that we've actually got a story framework set up. So, um, you know, I think it's, what's his name? Daniel Miller, who does like the story brand kind of stuff. He talks. Don, Don, Don Miller. Donald Miller. I yeah. always do that. Thank you. Donald Miller talks about story brand stuff and it's, I mean, essentially it's based around tell as old as time, how story works, right? So we need a character mm-hmm. and we need a story structure. Before Mm -hmm. we go and start talking about the character, let's make sure we know who this character is. What happens a lot of the time is that a master expert will kind of go, okay, I've got to, especially if someone's feeling insecure or shy, right? I'll go, I need to prove myself by talking about me. And that's going to put people to sleep. It's like, yes, you get to talk about you, but not straight away. The person, this everything we're going to talk about is going to do with the protagonist of our story. And the protagonist of our story is that absolute ideal client. Yeah. 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 Right. So like we first need to work out that. And then we need to work out what journey is that? What journey am I taking that protagonist on? So sort of, I use like the five elements of story structure where it's like you have essentially, you start off with what's their current situation, yep. what's their uh, problem or mm-hmm. conflict or challenge that they're facing, yep. what's the action that they need to take or the solution that we offer as, as the guide in the story, which is who that expert is, they're the guide. Yeah. Yep. And then what's the results that they're going to achieve from going on this journey with you. And then finally, what's the resolution in which case in business, we're usually talking about a call to action. If you want all of these things, the next step you need to do is like book a call with me, for instance. Right. So once we've kind of mapped out that like basic, I call it like your core brand story for that particular character. You can't do two characters at the same time. It has to be one. Right. Mm -hmm. So one core ideal client protagonist, then what we do, then we can start to look at different ways of shaping stories around that core story. So what I like to look at is how do we create interview settings that are going to allow us to build lots of micro content from that? How am I going to get someone to say all the interesting things that this protagonist is going to really want to know? Yeah. So do you want me to kind of walk you through those Absolutely. interviews? Absolutely. All right. So, and I love your, your thoughts on this or anyone listening as well, because it's, it's still, I'm still kind of playing around with it, but I think, this is what I'm finding really appeals to people. So one is like a MythBuster interview. Anyone who's familiar with things like, um, you know, uh, click funnels like Russell Brunson or like, yes. you know, that kind of the the one thing, and then ha- having some myths that you debunk. There's a reason that that works really well, right? Because what happens is we're sort of setting up a scenario where we're saying okay, you think this is true and you think this is true and you think this is true. These are the stories that you're telling us yourself and now mm. I'm going to flip them all on their head. Yeah. And straight away that positions you as an expert, right? Because it's yeah. like, I've just, I've just given you a, a new perspective on how to think about 
something that's relevant to you, relevant to that ideal client. Yeah. So this that's is Russell. What- yeah, yeah. Sorry, keep going. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you, do, did you want to interject? You well, look like you gonna, need to say something. Well, this was, if, if, it, if you're unsure, if someone's wondering like, oh, what is this? I want more information. This oh, yeah. is Russell Brunson's perfect webinar. Um, and he uses three secrets, but those three secrets are big beliefs, God, false objections, false beliefs that the, your target market has. And so what Lauren has said is that they're telling themselves these lesser sort of limiting belief stories that aren't serving them. And then you're showing up and telling them, this is where it, this is what it actually is. This is the truth. Yeah. And that's yep. why it's so powerful. Sorry. Yep. Continue. No, no, it's good to, good to like, I mean, that's basically where I got the idea from. I mean, um, it's, it's such a powerful way and what's going to happen. And like, I've actually created an ebook where I go into more detail about what the questions are involved in these kind of interviews. But what you also, for me anyway, coming from a scientific perspective, I really want to know what the evidence is behind why you want to debunk that myth. Like why, why is that not true? Tell me some evidence. Tell me, give me some proof. Mm. And that, those kind of little snippets, like if you turn around and you go, well, 85% of people are disengaged in work, right? Just that little clip. That's a really nice hook. That's a really nice way to bring people in. So what happens is again, there's all this content that can kind of spin off this one discussion. Yeah. Um, the next interview is like the diagnostic interview. So this is all about helping your character work out, okay, what is it that's actually going on for me? Because the thing that your character is going to know is like their most painful symptoms. They're not going to necessarily know what their core problem yeah, is and how yeah, to solve it. Yeah. If they knew that they would have solved it already. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so they want to know, Oh, like they're, they're trying to understand what is my actual problem. Again, this is about positioning someone as a thought leader. So if they can show, okay, well, here's all your painful symptoms. Here's all the red flags. Here's all the things that you're feeling and recognizing within yourself. Mm-hmm. And here's the underlying core problem. That's a great way, again, to invite someone to be like, oh, I want to find out more about this core problem now. I need this person's help because they've just described me to a T and I need to go and talk to them now because no one's done that before. And, you know, again, this is why the character development component is so, so important because we've got to be able to describe that person to a T, right? Yep. Okay. And and so quick question. So um, sometimes when I'm going through this diagnostic problem in myself, when I'm writing for say uh, a new client, I will have to do a shitload of research and just uh-huh. get in there to understand what is the problem. So in your case, you said you only want to work with, or you were only working with thought leaders. They have all the case studies. They have all the stories they've been through these situations many, many times. So they don't need to do that. It's already in their head. Is that correct? Yeah. Look, what I'm finding is for some people, even if they've been in business for eight, 15 years, they haven't thought about this stuff before. So they've relied largely, largely on word of mouth. Um, yep. And now they're kind of going, actually content marketing is kind of important for me to keep growing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Relevant. And I think also there's a lot of businesses that get stuck in a rut for a long time. And then when a recession hits, it's like, mm, Oh right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like you kind of go, I'm not comfortable anymore. You know, like, Hmm. like small business taking a massive hit this year. And it's like, okay, now, now I'm uncomfortable. I actually need to get out there and market a little bit, market myself a little bit more. So they might not have necessarily done that work in kind of actually articulating it, but it's in their head, like you said. So it's like, they know they can deliver the work. They're great at delivering value to their clients, but it's just sort of helping them. Okay. Actually, if you think about it, 
before they're ready to buy from you in that earlier stage, we've got to do the same thing that you're doing with delivery in the Mm. sense that we need to think about even just to get them on a call, how do we provide value to them and how do we diagnose their problem? Like what you're doing at the next stage, once they're a client where you're going further into that diagnosis. So you're right. It's sort of both. It's like, it's, it's helping to, take that knowledge and reframe it in a way that's going to enable that expert to tell their best story. Um, if that makes sense, if that makes sense. Uh, can you give me an example of one you've done recently? That might help. Yeah. So I'm working with a couple of people at the moment and what I'm finding is that, you know, again, both have been in, uh, in industry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, they've worked with a lot of clients. They know their clients well, but when it comes to like, so yesterday I was doing a session with one of my clients and we were talking about, okay, what is, how do you know um, if someone needs your help or like, and what I was finding is he went straight into talking about his sales call that's how, how we kind of got to the point. And and he actually said to me, he's like, Oh, this is kind of like, I've got to, he literally said, I've got to solve, I've got to show them how I can solve their problem before they jump on the phone with me. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. So it's like taking what you've been doing in your sales call and now looking at, okay, someone who's not quite ready to go on the sales call, what's their mindset? Because you know what someone on a sales call is like, what's happening before that? Where are they in their journey? Does that kind of help to make it a bit more? Yeah. A lot clearer, much, much clearer. See, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like where in an interview, you're helping me clarify what I'm saying. (laughs) And I've had a lot of practice and still like you kind of, you, it's so much better if you have someone there to kind of keep you on on track. But but it's like, but it's the whole part of what we've just been talking about. That little story you told me just made things a hundred percent clearer rather than you just telling me what it is. But that's just, some people will get it. I'm a bit slower to understand things. You should ask for a (laughs) (laughs) Usually when sometimes there's a joke in the room, I'm like, oh, she's like, God damn it. (laughs) No, well, it's a, it's a really important thing. When we're talking about abstract concepts, we Mm. need to make them concrete with actual Mm examples totally so i'm glad you prompted me (laughs) (laughs) all seriousness yeah so are we up to is that the third or the fourth interview that we've just up to the diagnostic that's the second i should go a little bit faster shouldn't i keep going all right i'll I'll, the next one's simple the next one is the guide story so it's actually similar to what i was explaining oh yep story mm-hmm. it literally just follow that same structure it's a simpler one it's something that everyone probably is familiar with but it needs to be there it's such an important one to have as like that core story of of where someone's got starting from in their current situation mm-hmm. and where they're where they're kind of ending up so the fourth interview is the recipe interview so this is all about like what's the key ingredients that go into that your ideal client reaching their goal what do they what are all the different things that they need to be doing in order to achieve that so i'll give you an example because that yep. is abstract <laughs> But like, say for instance, for me, like I'm helping people to make their mark as a thought leader. So I'm like, in order to do that, you need to have story. You need to have success habits. You need to have skill set. You need to have self-awareness. And there's one more that I've forgotten, but I'll probably remember in a second. So I'm like, without those things, you can't kind of actually become a thought leader. If you take away skill set or you take away success habits, you could have a great story, but if you're not 
actually putting content out there because you haven't got success habits at work and you're not using yep. best practice, you're not going to make your mark. You know, if you take skill set mm. away and you can't actually deliver on everything you're promising, yep. then you can't make your mark. So all of those things need to be in place. Um, so it's about what's essential, nothing more, nothing less, not, not things that are nice to have. And also not things that you're like, actually, if I took this away, yep. everything falls away. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm starting to sort of piece this together because a lot of people might start out and they might just do top 10 mistakes or seven things to avoid. And what you just said is just that sort of content matches that sort of thing, the recipe, except everyone's obviously the mistake is a hook, but it's it's leaving out those key ingredients, like you said. Um, but someone who's only doing that, they're missing out as a huge opportunity to admit on, say, the diagnostic on being the guide those sort of stories so so far really fascinating okay what is after the recipe so we've got two more so we've got the scenario yep or i used to call it the case study but essentially what this is about is it's about talking about when what you do was missing and things went bad and when what you do was there and it helped so for instance let's say you're a financial advisor and you didn't, you've, you know of a case where someone didn't get help or their client before they've come and seen you and they're kind of like in debt and they've got someone passed away, they haven't got insurance, like they've got all these things that could go wrong or maybe even disasters kind of hit them, mm -hmm. right? That's an example of a scenario where it's like, because they weren't working with me as a financial advisor, here's all the, here's the failure or here's the problem or here's the consequences of, of that. And then you want to also share a story where you're like, okay, here's what happened as a result of someone working with me. So we got this in order. We fixed this. We dealt with the cash flow. They paid down their mortgage. They were able to, you know, achieve X, Y, Z, which is what my ideal client wants to achieve. So say it's like they could buy shares or they could buy investment property or they built their super or they retired, whatever it is. Yeah. This is what happened as a result of working with me. So we're just making it really clear that it's like, here's my social proof for the difference between, uh, me being there and not being there as the expert. Yeah. It's, it's a really good contrast between the thing they want to avoid most, which is the pain versus the thing they desire most, which is what they really, really want. Really, really yeah. clever stuff. We do that all the time in copy, copy land. It's a great click. <laughs> the, the pains and the gains, right? This is the empathy map stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then contrasting it like someone just like you did this. And, and when you're in the game for a while, you see it and it, 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 um, it's harder to and harder to be say you get more sophisticated to it mm. um, so I'm going to play a devil's advocate at a little bit and be like what happens if someone has been like I've seen this before mm -hmm. yeah I know how this ends so like how do you make that more believable yeah that's a really good question look I think that there's a couple of things there there's always going to be people who also just you know you, you're not speaking to for whatever reason I think in a lot of ways with things like boring content um the problem is more in the way that we're telling that story you know we're just not being very interesting and engaging um i think if they're the people that you can help they won't find it boring if they're the people who already know enough about it again they're probably not your ideal client. Cause if they're like, well, I know this and I've seen this before, then it's like, okay, we'll go do it then. Mm. You know? And if you don't do it, you're going to come back. Cause now you've met me and you've seen me. 
Um, and you know, they're not necessarily the best clients anyway. So that's, that's part of it. But I think the other thing is, is that when we're doing this in a way where we can really show ourselves and be ourselves, um, in like, so we're communicating authentically, what happens was it, is we actually just naturally attract people who kind of like us, you know? So that's part of it too. The, we buy from people, like we, we buy from the people that we like and we know. So if someone's kind of like, I don't really like this person's style and their kind of jam, then it's yep. like, again, probably not the right client. The people who are going to be like, oh, this is great are the people who are probably going to be your best clients. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So I think what the takeaway is like worry less about what's the secret ninja hack to be more believable and actually just show up as yourself. And then naturally you'll attract who you want and just, you know, funny side story. Um, so I actually opt into a lot of email lists from YouTube ads and, uh, just the stories they tell on that. And you're just like, God, is that the kind of person you want to attract into your business? It almost sounds condescending the way they describe things like, and, um, yeah, so it might hundred percent agree what you're saying. Like, um, there's the way you show up and the way how you present yourself can be a bit harder if you're just holding a camera and doing it. And that's why I think. Like, you, like this interview format is just so perfect for that. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, Julian. I appreciate the feedback because it's like, I'm pretty excited about it. But um, it's, it's, you know, like I'm an experimenter. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, right? We want to like get our market, test it, improve it, see how we can make it even better, you know, and that's kind of the journey I'm on. And that's what I like about being an entrepreneur and having my own business, you know. Um, there's one more interview yep. format. Do we have time for the yeah, last one? Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. So this last one, this kind of was inspired by Simon Sinek's Golden Circle, right? And he was talking about how so many businesses talk about their what's and their how's, but they don't talk about their why's. And I'm yeah. like, that's a hard thing. How do we talk about our why's? So um, the interview format's called the legacy interview. And it's about what mark do we want to leave behind? How do we want to like, how do we want to change the world in the life that we have and why, why, why does that drive that? Why is that important to us? Mm. So it's about thinking through your vision, your mission, your values. And where I think this interview format can be particularly useful is actually more on like attracting um, other like employees or attracting people who want to kind of be part of your journey. So our goal is to kind of go like, this is the mission I'm on. And here's how people can come along for the ride with me. Here's how people can belong to my community because we do want to, belong to community at the best of times, especially in 2020, we want to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. And when we talk about the big changes we want to make in the world, like I want to, I mean, you know, SpaceX's one is great, like enabling humans to live on other planets. Like that's pretty crazy. And out there it's like, well, how can I be a part of that? Mm -hmm. Because that's a, that's an incredible vision, right? Yeah. How, how can I, how can I join you? So that's about sort of, telling those stories about why you got into business, what drives you and what gets you out of bed every morning and how people can, can be a part of that as well. But what, so what happens if someone tells you their why and inside you're just like, it's not very convincing or I, I feel like that's not a good why. Do you pull them up on it or you just let them roll with it? Totally pull them up on it. I always do like a strategy session with people before we actually do the interview. So I, I kind of make sure that they've, thought about each of those things mm. and sort of talk them through that as well. It's sort of interesting because it's like the interviews end up actually being a catalyst for strategy work, but we get to have that 
do that strategy work in a way where it's like there's an end product yep. we've actually got content instead of just sitting down doing strategy and then putting it away in a drawer and forgetting about it yeah. <laughs> big mistake so totally totally like i i like to challenge people on why they're saying what they're saying and also being able to you know be like well that doesn't really inspire me does that inspire you i mean you can tell you can tell when people change their body language when they're excited about something so for me it's really about looking at that like is that actually what's driving this person or are they bullshitting me (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah and you can just tell you can tell that i could i can definitely see that through body language on a zoom call um just out of curiosity i know it's part of it but how do you pick that up through a zoom call if you say like someone was doing that like a listener was trying to copy that yeah it's it's actually quite hard because i think part of this is like that just I've done so many interviews and I've spoken with so many people and it's, it's all subconscious. Like a lot of it is intuitive, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like that 10,000 hours thing or that blink thing. But one thing I would say is like, you're looking for, it's like, you're looking for the light in someone's eyes. Like you're looking at the change in their voice. Their voice might, might go up a little bit. Uh, They might start speaking a little bit faster or it's kind of like they're, they're again, they're in flow. So even if you look at how I'm talking to you during this interview, when I was talking about legacy interview, I'm like, yeah, and it does this, this and this. And it's like, you can see that's something that excites me. You can probably Mm -hmm. even hear it. Right. Um, So you're kind of looking for simple things like chest up when people put their chest up or they put their head up. Um, you're, you're looking for that excitement in their voice and, and also the joy in their face. And I think a lot of us are relatively good at picking it up, but it does, it does take practice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I, I really, you know, it's actually kind of funny. I, all these points are really good. I'm glad you got out of it. Um, cause I actually did a few podcasts, little tours talking about how you suck really good stories out of people. And one of them was body language and just being being able to pick stuff up like that, just little micro changes. Um, and that's good that you pull up your clients and be like, I don't, I'm not impressed. This is inspiring. Let's try again. Well, even just like sometimes when I hear someone say an answer, you know, if yeah. I'm asking them a strategy question, like, okay, so tell me about your client. And I can tell they're, they're not sure. I'm like, you don't, I'm like, do you need a break? What's going on for you? You know, like, and you've got to be able to ask those questions because, um, people will often feel uncomfortable saying stuff, but that you, you need the nonverbal, right? And it is a bit, it is definitely harder with Zoom, but it's better yep. Zoom than a phone call for sure. Yeah. And you and I are doing this really well right now. When we talk, we look into the webcam. Yeah. How many times have you, I'm curious about this. How many times have you been complimented? Someone being like, I think I opened up a lot more because you were just looking into my soul. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Even though it's through a webcam, but sure. Because most people are looking at their screen rather than, yeah. say, the camera. Um, so, yeah, just, I don't know, I guess, little, did you find the same thing? Have you heard the same thing? Yeah, totally. Like, a lot of people, actually, for a long time, people have said to me, like, oh, I just really feel like I've told you a lot more than I tell other people. And I'm like, because I, I am genuinely interested in your answer. That's the biggest thing. I'm like, I actually want to know what you have to say. Mm. And I want to ask you questions because I find people fascinating. And like, I'm not good at lots of things, but I know I'm good at that. And I think, I think that's one part of it, but you're right. 
like when you're filming, so for me, what I do is when I'm talking, I look into the lens yep. and I'm listening. I'll often find myself looking at the screen because I, I want to look at you yep. rather than looking at the lens. But I think that's still, um, you know, it's a big tip on if you go on any YouTube video that tells you about how to be on camera, they'll, that's be, that'll be one of their main points. Look into the lens. Yeah. <laughs> you have to look into the lens. Uh, it feels weird, but works. Lauren, thanks so much for the chats. Have you got anything else you want to add? Any other secrets, tips about you? Any discoveries? Well, I mean, I think the big thing is, is like, like kind of what I said before about I'm always trying to continuously improve things. And I think mm -hmm. that's really important for us. Like, so as, as an expert, quote unquote, which I still find hard to say about myself, but I'm like, I don't, don't think I have all the answers, you know? And I think we need to acknowledge that all of us, us are on a journey where we're trying to figure stuff out. So for me, I'm really excited about this, but if anyone has any feedback or they want to check out my ebook and kind of let me know what they think about it, yeah. um, it's on my website. So it's just laurencrest.com. Yeah. Um, Beautiful and, segue, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I could let you ask, but I know you're going to ask. So I Beautiful just segue. <laughs> Sorry, pitch again. I love it. Plug, plug, plug. Um, but what I also always ask people whenever I'm on a podcast show, I'm like, come and chat with me on LinkedIn and let me know that you heard about me on Julian's show. So I always love to hear about how people found out about me and kind of have an idea of what they've heard and what they're familiar with. Yep. Um, I think that's what's so cool about being able to take conversations in multiple directions. Like you can podcast and then tweet and then be on LinkedIn and then have a phone call and you get to kind of know someone on lots of different angles. And I think that's what content really is all about at the end of the day. It's about, it's about us connecting, right? Yeah, totally. And you're also on LinkedIn live as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we're going to do a LinkedIn live next week. Cool. Well, it might be where, by the time this gets posted, maybe it's in the past, but yes. <laughs> okay, I, okay. I wasn't aware it was a live, but that's okay. We're cool with that. I'm cool with that. You're going to be awesome. Don't worry. It'll be great. <laughs> I don't think you know this, but I used to be a group fitness instructor. So I've had a lot of experience being up on camera and a lot of time making myself look like an idiot. <laughs> so I've learned to get over that part. Awesome. I love it. Well, LinkedIn live is a lot of fun, but I'm kind of not talking about it too much because not everyone has access to it. So I don't give a lot, a lot of advice out about it. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's still yeah. so early Yeah, and a lot of yeah. bugs and stuff. And uh, that's just what I've heard. Maybe we can talk about this at another time, but um. <laughs> yeah, but I am on LinkedIn. Come check me out. Okay, cool. <laughs> <Say hello. laughs> yeah. Lauren, thanks for, thanks, thanks so much for coming to the storytelling secrets. Probably the most conversational slash informative podcast I've had. So thanks. Oh, thanks Julian. Appreciate it. No probs. Now, as you can tell me, me and Lauren, we uh, had some good banter going on in that conversation. She was really easy to chat with. Had a few Aussies coming up um, lately on the podcast. Had maybe like three or four. So yeah, it's always good to talk with uh, one of your own kind. <laughs> sense. But anyways, if you want to go reach that free ebook that Lauren was talking about, it's... Uh, Bit of a long link, laurenchris.com download slash six interviews, long, 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 long sort of link. So I'm going to leave that in the description below, um, so that way you can access it to all those six interviews um, that, um, that we spoke about today, so it's a lot, lot clearer. 
If you want to go check out Lauren on her website, it is just www.laurencrest.com. Uh, connect with her on LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure you'll just see it as the business scientist and the Lauren Cress. Um, but otherwise, that's it for me today on Storytelling Secrets. I'm going to see you on Monday for the solo show. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, 45, 47 minutes to, to be listening to me and Lauren. Uh, I really, I'm really grateful for your time. So thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. See you later.